0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the show. Uh, we are going to talk about business today, which is uh, not all that out of the ordinary from what we normally talk about. But we want to talk about reasons and motivations. Why do you want to be in business? Why do you want to own a truck? Why do you want to become an owner-operator? Uh, what's what's your motivation? You know, I had my motivations when I got started. I'm sure Larry had his so we'll talk about that. And Larry says he has a story he wants to tell me that he's been teasing all week. So I'm waiting for that. So I'm about to just give him the floor and let him go. Larry? Well,
1: I, we've talked about this probably in some of the early episodes about, about, around me. But I um, ran into another driver uh, uh, this week. He, I was wearing a Landstar shirt, and he saw that and he wanted to strike up a conversation and then on uh, on facebook on a you know on a reg- pretty regular basis you you see a lot of people asking for advice about where to lease a truck what truck they should go buy and and it's obvious that they are trying to enter into the world of owner operator and i just thought we might take a step back here and, and re-look at this and 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 Talk about the why, um, because I think that, and I also wanted to take the opportunity to contrast the the way that most people go about doing this, which is completely 180 degrees different than how we would preach or teach to do it. So I wanted to I wanted to rehit that uh, because um, what we do is pretty counterintuitive. Uh, you know, we even call ourselves lunatics because we're so uh, away from the norm. But I just wanted to, to to hit that again and illustrate the difference in, in, in between the two. So, let me go back uh, about a week or so. I was in a um, customer's office, and um, again, I was uh, I happened to be wearing a Landstar shirt. This older gentleman said, "You you work for Landstar, Dan?" I said, "Well, I guess if you want to say it that way, because I hate when people say that because I don't really work for Landstar." Landstar is a business. I'm a business. We just happen to choose to do business together, but that's usually deeper than most drivers want to comprehend. But right. So I acknowledge the fact that I was associated with Landstar. And so here, here's the, here's the next thing out of his mouth that I couldn't, I just, I let the do you work for Landstar thing sort of go. I couldn't let this one go. He said, so you, you let them take 35% of your money. And I, I hesitated because I, really I really didn't feel like talking to this guy, honestly, you know. But, you know, I, I just couldn't let that one go. And I said, I said no, I, that's not how it works at all. I said, I, I, I freely, with all free will, split the money with them, 65-35, but there, is, there are things I get in return for that 35%. He goes, well, like what? And I started itemizing all the things that that they get. So he comes out with, well, I was with Landstar for a couple of years. It's been a few years ago. 2014, 15, 16, long and air. And I'm thinking, yeah, I was with Landstar in 2014, 15, 16. Those, those are pretty tough times, as I recall. And so he went on to tell me about his, uh, his experience at Landstar. You know, of course, his description of it, and mine were completely different because he worked for Landstar, and his paycheck, his best paycheck he got while he was working there was seven hundred dollars. He said. Of course, you and I both know we don't get paychecks from Landstar. You know, so, no. so all of this was from an employee slash victim mentality. The entire, mm-hmm. you know, the entire uh, description
0: was completely wrong. You know, which which explained exactly what his problem was. Okay. And if I'm being honest right now, I'm, I'm based just on that alone. I'm wondering if he actually had a truck leased to Landstar, but you know.
1: Well, I think he did because he, he, he knew it when I was, when I engaged him, he knew enough ab- about it. And, and, and let me, let me go on. Cause you'll, okay. you'll, you'll now realize he did. Okay. Okay. So, so I started asking him, I said, well, tell me what, you know, and, and so he had been leasing a truck from some central refrigerated something 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 and so it was a reefer you know and so he had um was two years into a three-year lease and so he didn't like his life like a lot of company drivers you know he he all he heard was at Landstar, you have all the freedom you choose your loads you make these big you know this big money you know, blah, 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 all the talking points that you hear about people want to come to Landstar. In his mind, he was going to work for Landstar, but Landstar was going to be a different company than, than anything else he'd ever worked for. Um, and so I said, okay, so how did you get out of your lease? He said, well, I went and borrowed the money to pay my lease off. He said, so my truck payment after paying my lease off, was the same as it was when I was leasing, which was seven hundred eighty-five dollars a week. He brought his truck to Landstar. And I said, "So you never ever had any experience with load boards, load selection? You always had a dispatcher, right? Right?" I said, "So let me guess: when you got to Landstar, you were having to pick your own loads, and that was a, you know, that that was wasn't easy for you." He goes, "No," he said, "I I, I couldn't. I, I just could not." you know, work the load board and drive the truck. He said, so, I mean, I would, he said, I, I would, I, I just, have tried to find the best paying loads I can get. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I would, I would, he lived in Florida. He said, I would get loads to California. I'm like, okay, so you went, you went for the big money loads. He said, yeah, I, I mean, I had to, cause I couldn't work that load board every day. I had to get a load that I could stay on for four or five days. And then when I got where I was going, I tried to find another load, you know typical, right? Uh-huh. So I said, so, okay. So you were attracted by the total dollar amount of the load, regardless of how long it took you to, 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 to deliver that load. He said, oh yeah. He said, I just, I went for the big money. So I had to have the big money cause I had this truck payment and I had my household bills and all that. He said, I had to have the big money. And so I, I let, I let him talk, you know? And, and so what he was doing was he was picking a, a coast to coast load And then he would try to find the load back, you know, stumble around. He didn't, he'd end up spending about two weeks, you know, making what we would do in, in a week, you know, Uh because of the fact that he was going for a five, six, seven, $8,000 load, you know, and then he'd have to stumble back, you know, um, which took him another week, you know. So, um, I can see where he had, he would have a problem. His truck was a 2014, um. Uh, I think it, I don't forget what brand it was that really didn't matter, but the point it was, a, it was a DPF truck and sure enough, about a year or two into his, um, uh, probably probably one year or two, I was a year into, into his, um, time at Landstar, the DPF went bad and it was going to cost $13,000 to fix it, which he didn't have. So get this. So after he paid, he'd, he'd leased the truck for two years, borrowed money to pay the truck off. He didn't have the $13,000 to fix it. And he was frustrated with the money he was making at Landstar on his paycheck quote. He turned the truck in. Lost everything he put into it. Bankrupted him. Ruined his credit. So now he's back as a company driver. Okay. And now he sees me walking with the Landstar. And he wants to tell me that they took 35% of my money. You know. So... Then I proceeded to tell him all. I said, I said, um, let me tell you a different way that this story could have turned out. And I went on to I said, look, you didn't have to go in debt to buy that. You should have just walked away from that lease and went and got yourself a fifteen thousand dollar truck. Mm-hmm. You know, brought it if you're if you're going to come to Landstar, brought, brought that to Landstar. You know, instead of trying to find one big load, you should have been looking for a small load every day. And I went, I went into great detail with all this. Anyway, I pointed out how this would could have worked out a lot differently. And he goes, "Wow, man, I never thought about that." Mm-hmm. He said, I, "I don't know anybody that, that 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 would have done it that way." He said, "Everybody that I knew that went to Landstar that influenced me all did it the way I did." I said, "How many of them are still there?" He goes, "None of them." I said, "Okay." I said, "Well, I'm still here and I've got a fleet of five trucks. You know, um, I've got drivers. the le- the, the, the the least I, the, the worst income driver I have is 75 grand a year. You know, now I don't know what $700 a week adds up to it. it's about what $35,000. So I've got a driver making twice that with no risk, no responsibility. So his paycheck at Landstar is 1400 bucks a week. Okay. he really is as a paycheck, you know? Mm-hmm. So. I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is that this guy is normal. This is I mean, how many times do we run across this same thing where somebody comes? I mean, how many times we've we been to orientation with a driver and you ask around the room and half the people in the room just leased a truck from Lone Mountain or somewhere and they brought it to Landstar. It's their first attempt at being an owner-operator. They've got a truck, they've, they just went and and leased and, and, and guarantee you don't have any idea whether it's the correct application for what they're trying to do. Okay. Mm -hmm. And now they're at a place where they've never, ever dealt with brokers, never, ever selected loads, never been in business before. And, and now they're thrown into the fire basically to either sink or swim and, um, and many, many of them sink because of that. Yeah. So, here's what I wanted to basically review, and let let's just talk about that decision. You know, I the reason that he came to Landstar was because he had heard, and he had buddies, you know, that had come to Landstar, and 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 let's, let's 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 just let's just say this: some people are going to succeed at Landstar wildly, and some people are going to fail, and a lot of that is just going to be their inherent uh intuition, their business acumen, maybe some experience in other lines in the other business and other parts of their life. Whatever, they um they adapt to it quick more quickly than others. Others have to have um maybe a little help along the way, maybe should have come to Landstar and worked for a BCO for a while, learn the ropes, you know. But anyway, this guy had some people that came here and and I guess at, at early on had some success. Um But so he made the decision to do this, um, to, to escape what a lot of company drivers are trying to escape. And that is they want their own truck. They want a new truck. They want, they don't want a piece of shit truck. They want one that's, you know, that, that, that's nice and comfortable and has, has all the, the luxuries, you know, so that's why they buy a newer truck, Mm -hmm. um, they think because it, 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 it's sort of common sense. If you buy a newer truck, you'll have less breakdowns. You'll have less money that you have to pay out for maintenance. Um, that's, that's what they're thinking, okay? Um, and these leasing companies and, and trucking companies will let them do it. You know, It's not like they had to make a choice when they decided to become an owner operator or a lease operator at their company The company's the one that says, we're going to give you a new truck. You know, it's not necessarily a choice of drive. They didn't say, let's go on the lot and you can look at this 2007 or you can look at this 2016. You choose the one. That's not how it works. Hmm. You know, let's go on the lot and you pick you out a new truck, you know, or pick you out one that three other people have, you know, have attempted to lease. And it's still, it's, yeah. So, so they do it because they can, you know, our industry allows people with no business background, no credit no previous experience to go in debt $150,000 on a new truck, you know, Mm -hmm. knowing that there's no, no chance, zero chance that that driver's going to succeed in that situation, you know? So that's the, that's the conspiracy theory part of this. But so, so to, to review, I guess to get to my point, you know, Let's rethink the why. Why would you want to leave the security of a, of a regular job with a paycheck every week? You know, with all the uh, decisions being made for you um, to jump into a situation where now you're responsible for all that, including the financial responsibility of it. So it, it, it would be a pretty driving desire, I would think, to make you want to do that. You'd have to be pretty frustrated. And I get that because I was there. You know, you've heard the story where I was stuck in Kansas City for a weekend and, and told my dispatcher that, you know, I, I, I simply was not going to do it. You know, I gave him an alternative and, you know, I was not. So I understand that. Um, but I had a lot of business experience. You know, to me, it wasn't any issue at all. But what we have to question is, if you have no business experience and you're pissed off of your dispatcher, the thing you don't want to do to correct that situation is jump into business for yourself just as a knee-jerk reaction to you being pissed off over a loan canceling or you not getting home or whatever. You know, that might give you the why, but you owe it to yourself to at that point in time. Start seeking out the education, the training, the background, all the things you need. You need to develop the skill sets it's going to take for you to take that plunge and now be successful at so that you can have that revenge motive for that company and that dispatcher and not be having to drag your ass back to them in a couple of months with your tail between your legs going, Oh, I was wrong. You know, please take me back. You know. So let's just talk about the things that the the skill sets that that and, and again let's go back to the normal you know way of doing things. Here here's here's a normal company driver deciding to become an owner operator. Okay, he has zero business experience. lucky. never owned a business, never had anything to do with running a business. Probably never was a manager everywhere, anywhere. Um, had no business education no business training, you know, didn't go to school, didn't, doesn't have a master's degree in business administration, you know. doesn't have any accounting or bookkeeping system or background in accounting or bookkeeping. Uh, probably no credit or bad credit. Uh, no cash, no savings account. No experience in buying or specking trucks. Take the truck that's green, mm-hmm. that's 10 speed, Cause you don't want to drive a 13 speed. It's got a Mercedes engine. <laughs> Zero experience at buying and spec a truck. Although that's the tool, the major, major decision in what you're getting ready to do is that truck gear with three nineties or 355s fives?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is that truck going to get you seven and a half miles a gallon or four and a half miles a gallon? That, that, that didn't even enter into the decision which truck to pick out on the lot out there. Didn't even begin to enter. Into. No negotiating experience, you know, other than buying a used car off the lot where it was a win-lose negotiating outcome. Never had an experience with a win-win negotiating experience where you have to negotiate with that person and do business with them again after that transaction. No experience working with agents or brokers. No experience working with a load board. No experience strategizing load selection. Let's take the one that pays $8,000 and goes to Alaska. and It's going to take 14 days to get there and back. Instead of taking a load that pays $1,500 day for those 14 days that you had it. Zero experience doing that. So, what do they do? They either lease a truck from the carrier that they drive for and I've, ta- there, I've said this before. There are very few things in this world that you can say never and there be zero exceptions for. This is the only one that I can positively say. Never, ever, under any circumstances, ever lease a truck from the carrier that you're going to get freight from. Never, ever do that. And the reason why is simple. It's a marriage you cannot get a divorce from. You cannot, Mm -hmm. you cannot, that, that situation will never have a good ending because if you leave, they keep the truck. I heard a guy this week, he would, he had one or two payments left on his lease. His company was bought out by another company. The other company did not want to have lease trucks. They canceled all the leases. He lost every penny he put into that truck. They took the truck back with two payments to go.
0: Mm.
1: Perfectly legal inside the lease. Perfectly legal. Either party can cancel with 30 days notice. So it's a walk away for the driver, which Mm -hmm. a lot of people use. Well, I'm going to do this because it's a walk away. What's a walk away for them too? What if you did happen to succeed? And you're getting ready to get the title. and They go, well, we're going to cancel it. We're not going to do it Turn perfectly in are right. And you say, well, I've worked this company for years. I know they wouldn't do that. They're good people. I know them. I've been with them for three years. Mm-hmm. 640 companies went out of business this year already. Okay. What well, makes you think that one's not going to either go out of business or get bought by a bigger company? Knight Swift's going to come by them, absorb them. And now the big corporate office says, we don't want these leases cancel or they go lease a truck a, com- uh, a truck or buy it from a finance company and they finance it but they finance it to the tune of 78900 dollars a week and then now the guy you know he's got his new shiny truck he's excited you know you know he's kind of got he's kind of got an erection for this thing you know and then he christmas rolls around and guess what he can't take off the week to go home to christmas because if he did, he'd be $1,000 upside down when he comes back out. So guess what? He doesn't go home. This same guy I talked about, he lost his wife and his family for that very reason. He, knit, he didn't go home the entire time he worked at Landstar in that truck because he couldn't afford to take off and go to Florida and get off freight and lose a week. He would mm-hmm. never make his truck payment. So he lost his wife and his family because of this truck and now he lost the truck and his credit and his financial future for the next few years all because he wanted to be an owner-operator. Shoot me now and get it over with. Unbelievable, unbelievable. So then they do this. They bought too much truck. They bought the truck with the wrong application. The weekly payment is way too high so that he won't save any money for maintenance or reserve. Their home time goes to zero because they can't take off, because they can't afford to. They can't find loads, or they, or they pick the wrong loads. They can't work the load port. They've never worked with agents before. They negotiate poorly. If they happen to be in a situation where they're a truly owner-operator, they can't wait to get paid for 9 days so they factor which is a payday loan 840% interest when you when you when you work it out mm-hmm. they don't pay their quarterly taxes cuz they've never done it before and they don't understand that the IRS is very very efficient at collecting money so when they don't have any money the first thing they do is let the IRS go so so now they're behind with the government and they have the first breakdown They've got a $13,000 DPF bill that they can't pay for. So now all of this dream, everything that they've did, all this, all these bad decisions, and now they lose the truck. They give up the truck. They walk away bankrupt in financial ruin, and the truck's repossessed. And now they're back as a company driver, and they see a guy walk in the door with a Landstar shirt on. And all they want to do is talk about how Landstar takes thirty five percent of their money
0: in in the story, yep, yeah. and I lived a lot of that, you know
1: chris there are there are thousands of drivers every day
0: that're doing this thousands and the and the lease companies they get paid first I mean it it doesn't really matter you know it it if you're leasing the truck from the carrier. They are going to get paid, you know. They set it up that way with with with, with good reason. Sure. Um, you know, so they're not. It doesn't matter if the if they buy a truck, they acquire an asset, and in and, and in that, you know, four or five hundred thousand miles that that they have possession of that asset. It don't matter if thirty different people leased it because they're getting paid. It, it just. You know. well,
1: better than that. Those people are also taking care of the maintenance. It, it is a it is a sweet deal for a trucking company to lease trucks because, mm-hmm. like you say, they now have an asset that they have zero responsibility for. Okay, they don't. There's no company. There's no benefits to that driver now. They don't have any HR cost for that driver. Okay, they don't have any maintenance costs because the maintenance is on you. Okay, it whatever money you make, if if. If they want to talk about Lanstar taking their thirty-five percent, that company takes their money too, okay? Oh, Believe me, okay. Whew. So it, it it is a it is a no lose situation. And if you fail, they just put it on the lot and the next sucker that comes through orientation, they walk out there and walk him in front of it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like a it's like a teaser mayor, you know? And, and and they just wait for him to get aroused by walking by the grill, okay? Or in your case, the long hood, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so they lease it all over again. I mean, the, there are companies making more money off leasing trucks than they are hauling freight, you know. Now, might be an advantage of that. AB5 might not apply to them. They're not in the freight business. They're in the leasing business, you know. Yeah. Maybe independent contractors can work for them, you know. Um, but uh, you're right. It, it is the only person that's a bad deal for is the lease purchase, agree, uh, lease purchase driver who looks at a 40 to 50 to 60 page lease contract and signs it without reading a fricking word of it Mm -hmm. or doesn't understand the words and won't go pay $400 for a lawyer to read it to him. I guarantee you, if you have somebody read it to you and explain it to you and you sign it, you deserve everything you get. But most people would run, you know, Mm -hmm. most people would not do that, you know, unless they're so excited about having the prospect of having this new truck that they completely, you know, and guys are like that. I mean, you've talked about the $70,000 pickup truck before who in their right mind does that? Who goes about a $70,000 pickup truck? It's because they, they, they want it and they can, and somebody will, will finance it for them. You know, mm-hmm. if they had to write the right to check, they could never do it. Okay. So yeah. our society allows this shit to happen. Okay. Um, but that doesn't make it right. You know, doesn't make it right at all. Um, so, Anyway, you know how I feel about this. You know, I I would do everything about this exactly backwards. Okay. Everything about this, I would do backwards. If you're, if you're going to be an owner operator, get the education, you know, listen, truck drivers. I've heard my buddy, Kevin Rutherford say this over and over again, truck drivers ought to be the smartest sons of bitches in the world. Okay. They have 11 hours every day to do nothing but listen to audio books. And I bet you less than 1% of them do it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So don't tell me how you don't have time get an education you can get yourself a an an audible account and get yourself a bluetooth radio in your truck you know you're welcome and and sit (laughs) and sit there and listen to audiobooks all day long 11 hours a day seven days a week okay Mm -hmm. and you can educate yourself on on how to do on, on, on all these things we just talked about those can be fixed okay or The better idea is go to work for somebody as an employee that's willing to teach you all this stuff. I know some company that'll do that for you. You know, they'll pay you 80 grand to come work at Landstar driving their trucks and they'll teach you how to do this stuff. Yeah. Okay. I know. I know a couple of very good guys, you know, so this can all be changed. Okay. and then this this, uh, you know, while you're at it maybe let's do a little bit of Dave Ramsey and understand how you don't buy stuff you can't afford. Yeah. So instead of leasing this new truck, stay working for your company, save up a few thousand dollars. Let's go buy a truck and write a check for it. Okay. Uh, believe me, you can go spend 15 grand for a truck and another 10 on it and put it on the road and make, and that truck will make two or $300,000 this year.
0: Believe me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could show it to you. I can prove it to
1: you. Okay. Well,
0: I, I think, so let, let's, let's go to the fundamentals here. Cause that's, that's in my mind as you're talking, you're telling this story that I've lived. Dave Ramsey has that great line, broke, desperate, and stupid are three brothers that hang out together. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So using my own story, if I go back to 2010 and I knew there was more right at, it, at the very fundamental level, I knew that there was more the industry had to offer me than a $700 a week paycheck hauling for big lots. I, I knew at least that I had a, a work ethic, you know, and I had listened to Kevin and I had listened to Dave and I thought, well, I just, I need an opportunity, but I still had that broken desperate, you know, I wasn't really stupid, but I, I did have a, a quite a bit of broken desperate because I'm thinking, well, I make $700 a week, you know, and I got two kids and after I pay the bills, there's no... There's no money left at the end of the month, so me saving up for a truck is, is not happening. And, and I remember having this conversation with myself and my friends and, and my wife of, uh, of saying, well, I don't love driving a truck. I, I don't I mean, I, I love driving a truck. I mean but I don't love the, everything that comes with it. I don't love the being gone. I don't love the, the ne- all the negative things about the industry but this is the industry that I know. So rather than try to learn something new and go out into business, I'm going to I'm going to do it in the industry that I've been in for whatever the time 15 years. So but what I see so much and I see it in these these Facebook groups now, I see it in other social media, I see it in articles that I read. This absolute black hole that is the uh, the lack of a fundamental understanding of an e- economics and business. For whatever reason, we've been taught to believe that being the CEO of a billion-dollar company is easy. Well, anybody can do that. You know, I could do that. Uh, the only reason I'm not the CEO is because, insert lame-ass excuse here, and so, you know, that guy's just playing golf and and making all that money, and, uh, you know, anybody can do that. So because of this lack of understanding of basic economics, history, and finance, they think, well, anybody can be the CEO, anybody can be the president, anybody can be this, that, or the other, so I'm just going to go buy a truck and everything's going to work out. When I went to ATS, I had that kind of thing in the back of my head. It's like, well, Kevin Rufford would cuss me out right now. But this is a, this is all I have available to me, and so I went up there, and it was interesting because they had this list of trucks on a piece of paper, and there was some random draw, and I think my name ended up number three or number four. And on this on this list, I saw a two thousand seven Freightliner. But of course, everybody else they wanted the brand new trucks. They wanted to take the plastic off the seats. And so the first three guys in front of me, they walked outside and went straight to the brand new at that time, 2011 model, uh, Freightliners. And I thought, no, I don't, I don't. So the 2007 that I, that I wanted wasn't even in the state. I signed up for it sight unseen. I didn't see it until after I'd signed the paperwork, but I knew that I didn't want an Oh nine a 10 or 11. You know, I, I was smart enough to know that. And so, you know, it was everything that you said. It was expensive, it was difficult. I did get the holidays home because the kind of freight that we did, which was really high dollar, and that's the only thing that saved me. I, I mean, if if I wouldn't have had if I wouldn't have had that high dollar freight available to me and had I not worked and basically networked with the the dispatch people to give me the best loads and I did get the best loads. I never made it, but it was so lucrative on the revenue side, probably equal to what we do now, we just ran a lot less miles, you know, because it was just specialized van stuff, but when I, when I would, uh, I would, I would take two weeks off at Christmas, you know, I would stay out six to eight weeks. I'd come home a few days, go back out six to eight weeks. And then this was with a, this was with a two year old and a five year old at home, you know. But when I would go back to work that first week, I was $1,800 in the hole after being, being off for two weeks, you know. And I'd spend the month of January getting back to zero. But we have to address, the fundamental problem that really, in my estimation, really has nothing to do with trucking. It's it's a fundamental lack of basic education about history, economics, and finance because that's non-existent in the state schools. They abs they just they just don't teach it. And uh, I made a little note here: we have a pronoun problem in this country. And and I'm not talking about. The the preferred gender pronouns, you know, everybody likes to get worked up about. We like to throw around these pronouns of we and our and all of these these plural pronouns.
1: Third person.
0: Yeah. It's a big, 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 big problem. I saw a video just this afternoon of Elizabeth Warren, that uh that lady that's run for president. And all I saw, I mean, it was five seconds long. But she's in some room, and she's pointing her finger at somebody. And she says, you moved your goods on the roads we all paid for. And I'm thinking, well, hell yeah, I paid for them. You know, I paid for them with fuel taxes. How many, how many fuel taxes have you paid, Liz? You know? Her point being that you couldn't have made it without oh, yeah. oh, the yeah.
1: government's assistance. Right. And gave you the roads that you made that money on. Therefore, you should give most of it back. Yeah. I think, I think a famous president made a, made a statement. You didn't build that. Yeah. I had a field
0: day (laughs) with him too. Yeah. I, I, my, bless my mom. She's, she's just precious. But there was something that she did when I was a teenager. They, they paid for my car insurance. Okay. Now, if I had it to do over again, I'd have paid for my own insurance. I'd have learned something out. But anyway, I had a car and they paid the insurance. Okay. So they had given me the car. And they paid the insurance. it wasn't much of a car. It was a 1988 Dodge Colt. But yet, it was still a car. They gave it to me. But I noticed something that the fact that I was given the car and the fact that they paid the insurance opened up this opportunity. For whenever mom smelled cigarette smoke on me or I did something that she didn't like. Well, if it wasn't for us, you wouldn't have that car insurance. It was this... It was this little guilt trip thing, you know, and I learned pretty quick and I'm like, well, you know what, if I just pay for my own damn insurance, she couldn't tell me what to do.
1: Listen to her guilt trip. Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. She, she was a travel agent for guilt trips. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I look at uh, a matter of fact, I saw a, a post today, in a, a Landstar group. I don't know what this guy's done in there. But he was he was complaining. He, I'm guessing he must have left Landstar and went and got a company job. He took a job with Schneider on a dedicated account. Said it paid sixty eight thousand dollars, and um, set him over the holidays. You saw that, yeah. They sat him during Thanksgiving, Pissed and him. so I guess he quit. He quit. And I'm thinking, how 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 exactly did you not see that coming? <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, if it was Schneider and it was dedicated, it's probably automotive somehow. You know, as. It was probably some customer that shuts down, but I guarantee you I could go find that guy's name and probably find every post he's ever made in this group. And I guarantee you if, that if I did find that he used to be leased to Landstar, we would find his laundry list of complaints. All the agents screwed me here, and this agent screwed me there, and corporate won't do this, and corporate won't do that. And But now, let me ask you a question.
1: Do you know what day Thanksgiving is next year?
0: Do I? No, it's on yeah. Thursday.
1: I but, I mean, it's not a secret, right? You mean? You, <laughs> right. <look> it up. <laughs> right. yeah. you know what day Christmas is next year. Okay? It's the 25th. I got, a, I got a, I got a, I got I got a newsflash for you. Yeah. Freight's not going to run those two days next year. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead and figure that out right now. So that you're not sitting over Thanksgiving. Dumbass. Okay. <laughs> so, but that's Snyder's fault. Okay. Right. Right. They said him during,
0: you know, well, you know how you know I would
1: say about
0: that? I, I just I, it's so unfortunate because this stuff is not. It's not calculus. It's not. It's l- literally not rocket science. It, it's it's not complicated. No, it's common sense. It's freaking
1: common sense. I saw a notice. Common I sense saw, is a I saw, a big, I saw okay. a big news story today. Public schools in Kentucky are going to start an adulting class in high school. You know what they're going to teach? Cooking Uh, and how to change a tire and how to balance your child. An adulting class. When did we have to teach people how to become adults? When we stopped teaching them how to become adults. This guy needed an adulting class. Guess what? Thanksgiving is a holiday. People stay home that day, you know, and their warehouses aren't open, you know. Newsflash. Who knew? I mean, who would have known that, you know? but And I don't. I went Listen, I, 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 he went back to Schneider because he was tired of having to be accountable to himself, okay? Now he can go to Schneider, and now it's their fault because they didn't see Thanksgiving coming, and they didn't get him home, or they parked him, so whatever. But yeah. see, now he can transfer, he can defer, deflect accountability, to someone besides himself, because when you're at Landstar and you get in that situation, you got no way to blame, but you, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I've said over and over again, the best thing about Landstar is freedom. The worst thing about Landstar is freedom because you have
0: the freedom now to become an idiot
1: Yeah, and a lot of people take that option,
0: you know. Well, like you said, when you told that story about being stuck in Kansas City, I can't think of a specific example, but I know there were times in my time as a company driver where you're this tiny little pebble in this giant organization that something would happen. I was supposed to be home or I was supposed to be headed home or, you know, and something, and I would, I would raise my hand. Hey guys, don't forget me. Hey, (laughs) over here, you know, but but even in, you know, the company made me do this and they made me drive unsafe. And I said, I never, I mean, I've had people say, And it's always some night dispatch guy, which is some college student that, you know, another ass from home ground, would answer the phone if I had a problem. Well, that load's got to be there because that's what they're trained to say. They can't say, they legally can't say, well, you have to drive it anyway. They can't say that, but they can say, well, that load has to be there.
1: And they don't have the authority to make
0: any, to to solve any problems. They only have the authority to follow the script. Right. And so I say, well, hey, brother, it ain't going to get there before I do unless I go through the gate backwards. You know, so have a Coke and a smile. And, and I was never fired for that. I got fired a couple of times with good cause, <laughs> but I was never fired because I was tired. I was never fired because I was sick. I was fired because I acted like an idiot, you know, and deserved to be fired. When you lack that basic education and, and and you don't understand history, you don't understand economics and you don't understand finance, that breeds this lack of basic confidence in yourself and in your surroundings, and say, "Well, you know what? You no, no I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that thing, whatever that is. No, I'm not going to do that. And if and if you try to make me do that, I'm just going to go find another job. I'll have one tomorrow. I have a nice day. But people are they. You're raised, and it's so much worse now than it was when I was a kid. Everybody's raised with this desperation. I told this story the other day because I was in uh, the World Cup soccer thing. I don't know I don't know what month it happens in, but they have the big world FIA big soccer worldwide tournament. And I'm in like an Arbys one day and uh, there's big screens. you know one's got Weather Channel, one's got I think Fox News. and uh, it was coming up to the big championship wherever it was going to be somewhere in the world. And Fox News, had superimposed a mushroom cloud over this stadium where this soccer thing was going to happen. The sound was off. I just happened to turn my head and look, and I could tell it was Fox News because I saw the red and the blue. I knew it was them, and I saw this mushroom cloud superimposed over this thing, and I laughed out loud, and the guy behind me had seen it. And he's like, well, I don't know what the hell you think so damn funny. I said, here's what i tell you. I, I tell you exactly why I think that's hilarious. The fact that they can get away with that, that they can put up such blatant horseshit propaganda, and y'all don't blink an eye. That's what I think is hilarious because you're so saturated with fear constantly. Somebody's coming to get your job. Somebody's going to do this. All the terrorists are going to get you. This one's going to get you. The drug dealer's going to get you. Everybody's going to get you. That fear, if you let it in, Will lead you to do really stupid things, and allow people to do really stupid and evil things to you, if you let that crap in. And again, you don't have any concept of history, you know, because guys turn on CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, whatever. This this show that the names and the dates have been changed, but the story's the same, and has been the same for hundreds of years. I'm trying not to like, get off on tangent here, but it, it's it it we have to get rid of this fear. And like you said, you're, you're sitting staring at a windshield 11 hours a day. Turn off talk radio and turn on a book. Turn on a podcast and learn something. Turn off the news, for God's sake, whatever you do. Stop watching that garbage and learn something. There's just literal hundreds of thousands of, of books of information available to you, and somebody will read them to you. And go, go learn about having a good act. Go listen to some Jordan Peterson podcasts. They're free. You don't even have to pay for them. There's, there's just too much. There's too much good information out there that can make your life better and improve your situation than filling up all your time with sports and political talk radio it, because it just it turns your brain into mush.
1: Well, um, when you were talking about
0: before we got on the air,
1: about, uh, kind of tying this into the, um, government.
0: Oh, small business Saturday.
1: Yeah. Squashing small business or, or, or trying to artificially promote it while at the same time killing it on the backside. So,
0: yeah, I've seen this the last few years. My, my niece, uh, runs a cookie or a little restaurant started out as a cookie shop. It's amazing. Amazing cookies. And now, now they've kind of turned it into a little cafe. It's a little tiny place and make amazing food. And uh, a friend of mine runs a barbecue restaurant. And, and, and I so all today and yesterday, with Black Friday coming, um, I see all this stuff about Small Business Saturday. We're going to support small business. We're not going to support Walmart and Amazon and, and all these big companies. We're going to support small business. And while I appreciate that, because there are some great small businesses that could probably, you know, you might be better off to go get your car worked on at, uh, at, at uh, Joe's auto shop than to go to some name brand place. You, you, you know, you probably are better off. But what really bothers me about this small business Saturday is a lot of the same people who are virtue signaling on social media. I support small business are the same people that will absolutely, without question, support the regulations that destroy small business and do it for the benefit of giant corporations. And they don't even think about it because, hey, the government said we have to pass this law to make us safe. So absolutely, we need to, we need to be safe. But who do you think benefited from the electronic log mandate? It wasn't small business. Who do you think benefits from California bill AB5? It's not small business. Who do you think benefits from all these labor regulations? It's not small business. Who do you think benefits from environmental regulations like EPA 2010? Now, think about this, y'all. 85% of the carriers, the trucking companies in America, have less than six trucks. 85% of them okay that means using the superpower of common sense and basic third grade math that 15 percent of the trucking companies and carriers in the united states have more than six trucks well when they put in these environmental regulations that are that we're told is all about saving the planet well who do you think is going to weather that storm better a company like us that has five trucks Or a company like Schneider, or Swift, that if the load breaks down because the truck won't run, they just well they've got another truck. They'll just stick another truck on it, and the customer will never know the difference because they couldn't care less. They just know an orange or a white truck's coming. Yet we pass these regulations because we are constantly terrorized with this bullshit propaganda. That if we don't pass X regulation, this terrible, terrible thing is going to happen. Yet, all they're doing is creating an environment where giant corporations are able to literally get away with murder uh, while guys like us are starved out. And so, we buy the trucks that we buy, obviously, because of their price point. That's a big, huge part of it. You know, we can get a truck for to $15,000. But we also buy these trucks because they're not compliant with EPA 2010. We nullified that regulation. Go look up Thomas Jefferson, nullification, principles of 98. We nullified federal regulations in our company. We said, no, we're not doing it. We have one truck that we got that has that stuff on it and we won't buy another one. If you're going to virtue signal about how much you love small business then stop letting professional liars screw us out of our way of making a living because that's what's happening
1: well and also educate yourself because you know sometimes things are packaged very very you know sneakily let me give an example there was a referendum in Kentucky on the last um, election you know all everybody's well there's let's let me back up there's plenty of money collected in fuel taxes for the highway system. Mm-hmm. It's just redirected. And it's not spent there. So the government's way of fixing that is not, you know, not to correct the redirection, but let's just tax and get more money. Okay. <laughs> so, so the, 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 argument, the debate was whether to do it via tolling or via, or or via a tax increase. Well, that word tax increase, you know, the government realizes that that's a hot button issue and that, you know, they can present it that way. And the majority of people will reject a tax increase and and opt for the tolling option when, in fact, the tolling option will actually cost the people more money than the tax increase because of the lack of efficiency in the tolling process. They'd have to toll, I forget now, how many cents per person to make, to make the same money up that they could raise by only increasing the fuel tax one cent. But because it was framed under the guise of a tax increase, all the hue and cry from the uneducated public was that, oh, hell no, we're not, we don't want another tax increase. So they opt for the tolling, which is going to cost a hell of a lot more money. And now we have that bridge that goes across the river from Louisville to Indian, Indianapolis now, or Indiana that everybody has to pay for and that would have been so much cheaper for people just to accept a one penny per gallon tax increase but but again the government understands how the slaves think mm-hmm. and so they they use that to manipulate the effect of that debate now an educated public would and and there's no one more educated about fuel tax than truck drivers. You know, as dumb as most of them are, at least the industry understands that that would have been. Um, we, were, we were willing, the trucking industry was saying, no, raise the fuel tax, which should have been a red flag for somebody, that if we're asking you to increase our taxes, there must be a benefit to that versus the alternative. Right. But nobody caught that. The general public, the yeah. general voter, you know.
0: Um, and I know damn well that, that nobody's going to expect them to say, stop stealing the money.
1: Oh, well, that wasn't an option.
0: Now, yeah. <laughs> there
1: wasn't a plan C. It was <laughs> right. either let's collect it this way or this way, you know. But you're right. And, it, and just another example, though, of how, you know, we can package things. And, and there's, so, there's so much bias already in the electorate that uh, we don't even, you know, people vote for things. They don't even realize what they're voting for. Because of these little hot button issues or these little keywords that are used in there. And they don't go to the, to the trouble to educate themselves. And, and they're probably voting for exactly opposite of what they really feel. But they don't know it because they don't take the time to educate
0: themselves. You know? Yeah. One of my favorite things to watch with the, with the political class and, and how people respond to them is if Team A has some turd that they want to pass, they'll tie it to a teacher's race. Yeah, cool. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Or, or if Team B wants to, they want to, um, th- they want to kill uh, some other thing. They'll do the same thing. They'll up, something that they know won't, no, no one yeah, will vote. Yeah. That, well, uh, they'll say, well, we're going to put an amendment that says it's going to cut the troops' pay. but yeah, You know. Yeah. And, and of course, what's the headline? The headline doesn't say, "Gang of thugs and bunch of narcissistic sociopaths are playing games with you." It's, you know, it's, it's whatever that inflammatory thing was, Right. you know, oh, yeah. that, that's all they talk about because the more distracted you are, the better. It's actually kind of funny. You know, it's, it's, it, you know, at least once you understand it for at least its entertainment value, I can't be swayed by that crap anymore. Cause I just, I mean, I know, I know if their lips are moving, they're lying. So why should I pretend like they're telling me the truth when I know they're not telling me the truth, but again, Circle right back around. If you had a basic, fundamental understanding of hi- of history, finance, and economics, you couldn't get lied to so easily. Because the the there was there was this there was this fundamental shift, and I I started. I'm gonna put a, sh- a link in the show notes to this because it, it happened by accident. But there is a it's on YouTube, it's on iTunes. I'll I'll put links down. But it's uh, there's a guy named. Dr. Thomas E. Woods. And he has this lecture series. I think there are 15 lectures. And it's about a book that he wrote called The Politically Incorrect Guide to American History. It's fantastic. And what he does is he takes a very, I'm going to use the word dispassionate, walk through colonial American history and, and talks about the founding and the Constitution and the Federalist Papers. And and he walks you through this in a way that is not, nobody's screaming at you. You know, nobody's trying to really tie things that happened in to things that are happening now. It was just a very interesting, here's a professor with a, this giant brain that's walking you through this process. And the first thing that struck me about it when I first encountered this, seven or eight years ago, was, is this really true? And so thankful for the internet, I was able to look it up and verify it. And it was all true. And I was left with this, it was an anger. And I thought, I went to 12 years of of formal education, and I had heard about maybe 10% of this stuff. You know, I knew who George Washington was. I knew who Thomas Jefferson was. I knew who Abraham Lincoln was. I, I had been introduced to about ten percent of uh, of the uh, of, of the subject matter that he covers in this in this book in this lecture series, and that began a shift in me and how I looked at things because I found this at the Changing of the Guard. I found this in two thousand eight. One. Presidential administration is ending. Another one is about to begin, and just by total accident, I find this, and I started really thinking about and considering the principles of history, the principles of economics, and the principles of freedom, and it broke something in me because I no longer, um, I no longer had to filter whatever information that i was that i saw through my team glasses you know i I took my team glasses off and i threw them away and so there's so much wonderful information out there available to us right now it's uh it's life-changing it changed my life in so many different ways And I just can't help but think, how would my life have been different had I been exposed to these principles that have been around literally since the 1600s? Well, what if I had been exposed to those at 10 years old instead of 30 years old? How would my life be different? And I can't help but draw the conclusion that yes, my life would have been different because I would have had a a, diff, a, a different foundation from which to draw my own conclusions about things rather than the, the twisted up garbage that I was taught in my schools, I was taught in my home, I was taught in my church. I just got to believe life would have been different if I would have had the opportunity to, to learn a lot of this stuff. And, you know... And and it doesn't matter if you really talk, you know, talking about politics. I'm not that I'm not worried about, but history, h- history is is something that we need to understand how things really happened over the last couple hundred years, and because we can relate that stuff to today, it's just so sad that that uh, that we've been brainwashed for so long. And, and led astray from from common sense stuff. I mean I'm talking third grade math. It, it's not hard to figure out uh, but yet they've, they've they have the political class in America and, and and people that in established firms have figured out how to twist some very very simple things just so we'll be compliant. Just shut up shut up slave, do what you're told, pull the lever. just pull the lever. It's all you got to do just pull the lever push the button, just don't think, don't question, do what you're told, shut up and do what you're told and we'll take care of you, you know? So I digress. (laughs) Well, getting back to what I
1: was talking about to maybe try to wrap up, you know, I'm, I'm not opposed to people trying to obviously do better for themselves and for their family. And if you're a company driver out there, you know being an owner operator is certainly an an option it's not for everybody no um many 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 people go from company driver to lease operator owner operator and they end up making less money than they did as a company driver and they have all the risk and the And the 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 there's the, 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 the big thing as a company driver the worst thing that happens to you is you get fired and you get a job tomorrow morning because well, I'm looking at an ad right now on Facebook for um, a guy as a, fe- a fi- as a felon, been out five years, and there's no less than about 50 people jumping around wanting to hire him right now. So if a felon has been out of prison for five years can get a job, you as a company driver that gets fired for running a red light, I'm sure can get a job tomorrow. So,
0: Do you remember that guy that called into Kevin's show um, that had been in prison? And talked about he teamed with his wife yeah, and they yeah, got bu- yeah. bought a truck and paid yeah. it off and, yeah. um, out, oh, man, I was, I was so, in, yeah. yeah, you know, he, is it what 20 years or something? He was locked yeah. up long yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, were, well, and it, because there, there's a, if, okay, let's, let's say you, let's say you were where I was, you broke desperate and stupid and you're, you know, I was making 700 a week. Maybe you're making a thousand now. I, I mean, we can both say that you, there's some people that should not try this, you know, whether it is um, an aptitude issue, you know, of of of, of basic, um, I don't know, intelligence. I don't, I don't know a better way to, to say it, but just not everybody is going to be able to do this. Well, you've got to, you've got to quit thinking of it as... <laughs>
1: I used, let me, let me give you an analogy. When I was in high school, uh, the expectation for me to go to college was just there. So it wasn't, I didn't, it never was, I I didn't sit down and go, okay, I've got to decide what I'm going to do after I graduate high school. I mean, it, it was already sort of expected. So I always, always refer to that as I went on to grade 13, you know, it, it just was the next thing. Mm-hmm. And let me bring that to driving. If you're a company driver, becoming an operator, owner-operator, shouldn't be thought of as just grade 13. Okay. okay. Yeah. Here Here's the thing. You're not moving from one position in the company to a different position. And a lot of people f- don't get this part of it. You know, right now, your decisions are how fast to go, how wide to take that turn. Where am I going to break tonight? Where am I going to park? What I got to do to trip plan to get this there tomorrow? Those are the decisions you deal with as a company driver. Tomorrow when you become an owner-operator, I got a whole list of things here we just talked about, That now you have to decide. Now you decide what tires you're going to buy, where you're going to buy fuel. You know, You're going to choose loads. You're going to decide whether to pay the IRS on time or not. You're going to decide whether to pay taxes, you know, uh, on your income weekly or not. I mean, all these decisions that you don't even think about are going to be your responsibility tomorrow. And, oh, by the way, now you're financially responsible. Uh-huh. So the worst that happened to you as a company driver is you got fired, okay? The worst that happens to you as an owner-operator is you lose your truck and you go bankrupt, and you lose your credit, and you uh-huh. could potentially lose your family over this, okay? Okay. So the 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 uh, I mean the skin in the game is significantly more. You know, um, the investment is significantly more. The uh, the pressure on you because of that is significantly more. So don't think of it as grade thirteen. Think of it as I've got to decide whether I'm going to take hundred and fifty thousand dollars out of my pocket. And go down the street here and open up some kind of a store. Okay. I'm going to go in some kind of a business tomorrow to Uh the tune of 150 grand. Okay. So get away from the driving part of it because that's not what this job. You think that's what the job's going to be when you become an owner operator, but it's not. Driving, as you well know now is less than 10% of what you do as an owner operator. So your life today is 10% of what your life's going to be tomorrow when you become an owner-operator. Right. And most people just don't think about that. And, yeah. and that's why they failed, because I was really good at doing all those other things. Now all those other things don't matter. They don't make me any money now. I've got, to do, I've got to know a whole lot of other things and be pretty good at doing those other things. And, oh, by the way, I've got to make a lot of money if I didn't have any money to start with because this truck could break next week. And then what am I going to do then? You know? Yeah. So it, it, most people aren't ready for it. I mean, most people who are driving a truck as a company driver, let's face it, they're not usually financially in a position to do these things. Now it doesn't mean they can't get that way, but you have to make this decision to be a to be, a, be an owner operator. And then you have to stay where you are improve your, you know, get the best job with the best company making the best money you can possibly make. Get your personal finances in order. Go through Dave Ramsey's course. Get, get your home life squared away so that you could, if you're not saving money now, there's no way you're going to save money as an owner operator. Zero chance. Right. So get to where you're saving money in your current situation. Save up the money. Get twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 in the bank. And while you're doing that, educate yourself on all these things. You know, talk to other people. I, I hesitate saying that because I'm looking right now at a at a Facebook post and it says, and I quote, company driver look and this is in Facebook, okay? Company driver looking to go owner operator. How do you go about doing that? Step by step. Any tips or what to look out for? A lot of company drivers say it's not worth it. Any and all information is helpful. Thank you. Now if you're going on Facebook and posting this and this is how you're going to get your information, believe me, please save your save your your money and your effort and just stay where you are. Okay? Right. This is not where I'm talking about getting the information. This is not how I'm talking about educating yourself. Okay? Um, so, um, but if you're willing to do that, you know, the one thing you said, okay, is, is the, the aptitude. What I would say is if you aren't willing, okay, to identify, self-identify your shortcomings. If you're not willing to take the measures necessary to improve in the areas that you're going to need to become a business person, then you don't need to do this. Now, if you're willing to do that, okay, and you're willing to honestly take a look at yourself and go, wait a minute, you know, I'm not saving any money. I don't know anything. I know zero about accounting. I know zero about all this other stuff and you're not willing to take the, the steps necessary to gain that knowledge, don't do it. This is not... You're going to be a company driver again. I promise you. And now you're going to be a company driver with with bad credit and no money and a bankruptcy and a repossession and all these other things that are going to take you years to get out from under. Okay? Yeah. Save yourself that trouble and just stay a company driver because it it's not... The skill set that you need to be in business and be successful in business. And we're not even talking about in a challenging environment like today. You know, Now, had this been last year, I don't know, he probably could have fell into this and done okay for a year, you know, mm-hmm. until this year hit and then reality comes back, which is why we have 640 trucking companies out of business right now, okay? Yeah. They, businesses couldn't make it. What do you think about an individual with no business background? going If 640 established trucking company some of them have been in business years can't make it right now and you're going to roll in here with zero experience and zero aptitude and zero willingness to learn and you think you're going to make it <laughs> okay prove me wrong yeah
0: well and i think like you just you said stay a company driver okay and that i think that's what i'm trying to there are ways to make yourself more valuable and it might not be at the carrier that you're currently driving for. So I, I, what I'd like to propose is a different fork in the road. Instead of, well, I can stay at the carrier I'm at, making what I'm making, or I can go lease a truck. Well, not. Why not <clears throat> try to find a way to make yourself more valuable, learn how to do something different, pull a tanker, do Go do flatbed and learn how to do oversize and heavy haul. there are ways to make yourself more valuable with a different skill set. Uh, maybe learning how to operate heavy equipment, and then you can use your your CDL. You know, there to, to to now you've got two sets of qualifications. I'm a heavy equipment operator and I'm a truck driver. Um, if if you if you if you listen to everything that's been said here, and you th- and you think, okay, well, at least now I understand that there's a lot more to this than just changing my title from company driver to lease operator, and maybe I don't want to do this now. Um, well, there are there are still ways to find another niche in the industry, but you know, I'm not going to hate on. Schneider, Swift, or, or JB, or whoever, th- they serve a purpose, and, and, they're, and they're doing that. But you just got to understand, there's a ceiling there. You know, there's only so much money you're ever going to make at one of those companies. And so, if you are at one of those companies, and you're bumping into that ceiling, well, maybe you need to look around your hometown, or maybe you need to look at moving to a different hometown, And finding a different application to do as a company driver to increase your income. And then, you know, that's what I didn't do. That's probably the big mistake that I made. I just looked around and said, well, all I'm ever going to do is $700 a week. I need, so I took my grade 13. Like I said, my next step was huge. Instead of trying to find a way to make myself more valuable, learn something different. And do that inside the industry, to
1: to you increase
0: also, my income. You also
1: thought, and a lot of people do, that for you to attain your goals in this industry, it required you having that title owner operator.
0: One mm-hmm. hundred percent. In your
1: mind, that's what you thought the path had to be. Yep. Now, what's your title right this minute in the in the industry? Come right now, company driver. Mm-hmm. Okay what have you shared your income with
0: our audience uh i think so i mean i'm i'm what just i'm i i, I don't think i'm quite going to hit 100 this year i'm going to come really 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 close okay. um but yeah i'm i'm way over 95 96000 okay for the year
1: would would most people think that a company driver was zero financial risk make a hundred thousand dollars a year? Do you think that? I mean, what Probably I'm trying not. to say is that yeah. if you're, if your reason for doing this is money, okay, you don't have to be an owner right. operator to make really good money. You know, if a hundred thousand dollars is attractive to you, there are ways to make a hundred thousand dollars as a company driver. Okay. You just got to find the right company. And by, right. and by the way, it's not one of the big boys. Okay. Right. So, that could also be an option for you. And my and 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 you'll go back and look at our episode on trucking and becoming wealthy. At at 100 grand, if if you can't save money at that level, then you've got other issues that you need to be working on at the same time, which will be a problem for you if you become an owner operator anyway. Right. So, at 100 grand, you put enough money away that either you become wealthy and or, or or you can certainly save up enough money to not make all these mistakes that other people d- decide to make to decide to, when you decide to become an owner-operator. And, oh, by the way, we can teach you how to do it and do it right. So, you know, there are lots of options here besides you taking the plunge into something you're ill-prepared for and then paying the consequences for it. And we talked about how this is such an easy business to get into you know, mm-hmm. and have the potential to make this kind of money. It's also a very easy business to jump into and lose everything. Because there's not anybody going to tell you not to do it. The company you right. work for is going to gladly lease you a brand new truck. And in today's environment, most finance companies are going to gladly finance you at some interest rate, 16 18%. You know, but if you're willing to do that, they're willing to take the the chance on you. That doesn't mean because they're going to do it that that's something you should do. You know, that's not a tacit approval. That's just like, hey, we're going to make a lot of money off this clown. And if he
0: fails, we're just going to get the truck back and make it again. Well, I just, I just thought, you know, something that, you know, talk about my, my personal information. And, And it just hit me when I talked about that $700 a week take home pay. You know, back in the day, and, and I had to get away from that. The debt payments that I'm paying right now are almost equal, mm. you know, from the mess that I made. I'm paying almost as much in debt payments to the IRS and, you know, um, as as what my income, my net income was back then, you know. So if I wouldn't make $100,000, we'd be living in a van down by the river, <laughs> you know. <laughs> because you know, it it I, I, I fended it off as long as I could you know and and thank <laughs> God I, I, I ran into you and was able to get this opportunity because when all that stuff come home to roost if I wouldn't have had this income mm-hmm. I'd been in big trouble big 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 trouble and so I, I I set my kids down today we had a little come to Jesus meeting and I said uh, I said guys listen here's the thing we homeschool. You know, so I I said, listen, I could tell you, for example, you know, a hundred times, don't touch the hot stove, but you're really not going to get it until you've touched that hot stove one time. You know, experience is such a good teacher. And I said, so here I I have this dilemma as a parent. I don't want you to suffer the things that I've suffered. I don't want you to experience experience the pain and the stress and the heartache that I've experienced. So I have to I have to teach you things, but I, there's also sometimes I have to kind of give you enough rope to hang yourself because you're going to do something stupid. You are going to make incredibly stupid decisions at some point, okay? My challenge is that I have to give you enough training and education to limit your stupidity, you know, within a reasonable... A reasonable bounce because you're going to make a dumb decision at some point. The experience that I've had in the last decade is has been invaluable. It's been irreplaceable. I still wished I could have done it another way. But I I do believe that there's a way to use your experience in business and my experience in life and, and business to to lay out a plan for people to follow and say, okay, we'll go through these steps. And you can avoid the pain and the heartache and the stress and, and the chaos and just, you know, hell on earth. Because I've lived it, y'all, and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. But, you know, sometimes uh, there's an old Jeff Foxwood joke. Sometimes you got to pull that TV off on top of your head for you to get the lesson. And I'd prefer you not have to do it that way because it sucks. It sucks. And um, just, it's just not a good way to go about things.
1: Well, I hear what you're saying. But in the long run, if parents, if we can avoid these, you know, if we can keep them from dying in a DUI accident, driving a car, Mm -hmm. but yet let them have a fender bender and hopefully that suffices. Yeah. I think that's what we're trying to do here. Trying to avoid, you know, these are serious consequences. You do this and you screw up and you lose the truck and your, and your credit and your, and your bankruptcy. That, that's a, that takes a long time to fix. Usually the little lady you convinced to marry you, uh, is now going to question your judgment to the point where she may not decide to hang with you anymore, you know, yep. you stupid shit. So, you know, there, there's such a price you will pay for this mistake that it just, it, it, I cringe to think about how, how just casual people make this decision. And it always ends up, I mean, the ones that live through it, the, yeah, there are a few, There are, but listen, the majority of people do not, you know, mm-hmm. and I mean, the failure rate, and this has been a couple of years since I've looked into this, but at one time when I started doing this, the failure rate for first time owner operators was nine and a half out of 10, okay, 95% failed, first. 95%, yep. Yeah. They do it every day at the, but, but again, it, 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 sometimes it's at the urging of the company they're driving for. I know some of these companies that in orientation, they try to talk the drivers into going lease first. at orientation. Big companies that you would recognize, you know, yeah. par, part of orientation is walking you through the lot and tempting you with a truck, you right. know, you should do it this way. That, that just blows me away. That's not a, That's not a vocational choice. Okay. You don't go and decide to be a company driver and owner operator as a vocational choice. One of those is being an employee. One of them is being a business owner. Those two have are so far apart from each other that how you can in good conscience, ask somebody who's coming into the industry for the first time, which way do you want to go? That's just criminal. That is absolutely criminal. You know? Yeah. Good news is, you know, we're we're going to continue to put this message out. Um, I, you don't know this. I spent all weekend working on my book. I'm going to probably go into seclusion in the month of January to get this book done. Well, I'm actually writing a book okay. on my experiences and how not to do this. We're, we're going to give you a step-by-step way of doing this the right way. And I, and I, we're even going to go through a section where if you if you've already done it wrong, we're going to try to help you straighten it back out again. But again, the, the you know, we're not trying to, to keep people from doing it. We're just trying to keep you from doing it the wrong way, you know. And if you, if you listen to this and you build up a trust with us, you'll understand that we don't do it normal. You know, we're not normal. You're, when, when you do this, if you talk to nine other people who just went into business for themselves, they're going to not be doing it the way you're doing it, okay? But at the end of the day, you'll be the one that's surviving and thriving and they'll be back as company drivers. I promise you. So that's just the way that, you know, I mean, the one thing that, I mean, I'm I'm taking all of my 40 plus years of experience in other industries and applying it to this industry, which is the most screwed up thing I've ever seen, but (laughs) it it, it, take trucking out of it completely. The good, only good thing about this business is, you can get into it for relatively nothing, and mm-hmm. the, and the upside is is incredible. You know, yeah. Any other business I've been associated with, the the upside is not near as, as lucrative with with as little experience and as little upfront uh, investment to get into it. This is a yeah, it's, golden absolutely. opportunity if you have the right mindset. If you're willing to be a service oriented person. And you're willing to understand what it takes to become a successful business. If you're willing to do that, you, your your potential here is unlimited. Even in this climate, even with AB5, even with electric trucks, none of that changes. Mm-hmm. Nothing changes there. We can teach you the principles that work in any situation. You know, yeah. and, and as this industry changes, we'll just embrace that change. Our principles will still work. We'll be replacing our 07s and 05s and 04s and 06s. Down the road with electric trucks, okay? But we won't be buying them new. All right, we'll be buying them four or five years old, you know. And we'll and we'll we'll do the same thing. We're we'll, we, we're going to go. We're going to lower our cost. We're going to increase our revenue. That's the bottom line. That's all that. Yeah. That's how it's that's how it works. We'll just teach you how to do that. Oh, and oh, by the way, we're adding four or five trucks in the in, in 2020. We're lining up driver candidates for those right now. If you want to come on board and learn how to do this and do it firsthand, drive one of our trucks for a couple of years,
0: let us mentor you and teach you how to do this. We'd love to talk to you. Okay. www.blueribbonlogistics.com slash drive for us. Did I do that right? I think I just think, gave the, I just we, think, I think I just gave I the think, wrong I address. think we, we
1: actually have a drive for blueribbon.com, don't we? Do no. we have a URL drive for blueribbon.com?
0: I just paid for one. Oh, you did. Yeah, <laughs> I'll have to talk to your uh, web developer because hey, I'm not sure. He's he. <laughs> he's shady. Sure. He's shady. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I set that up. Um, well, if you go to Blue Ribbon you can click on a tab that says Drive for Us." Yeah, and um, or just or just email us. Oh, it does. On say.
1: Facebook. Call us. Whatever you want to do.
0: Yeah, but all the information is there on the website Blue Ribbon uh, it is drive-for-us, but, uh, but there's a form there. You can fill out some information. That'll give us uh, a way to contact you, and we'll do an, uh, if you meet the qualifications, we can do an interview with you, talk about uh, where you want to be and how you want to get there. Uh, send us an email, chris at blueribbonlogistics.com, larry at blueribbonlogistics.com. We have a hotline uh, that I can't remember the phone number for right now. <laughs> And uh, I've got it on a piece of paper, well, laying let me around say, this.
1: Let me say this: you know, we are seriously looking for people, but but understand something: we can't accommodate you in a desperate situation. Okay, that's true. We're, we are we are kind of a long range uh, planning situation here because we're having to actually acquire the trucks and and and, and go through our you know our uh, renovation process with them. And, and you know, and so we're looking for drivers who are in a good situation, but they just want to take advantage of this kind of opportunity. So, you know, if you're looking for something right away, we'll help you. We'll try to help you with something. But we don't have that kind of opportunity typically. Typically right. our opportunity is something that we plan for down the road. You know, like right now we're working on, I think, what, uh, end of January, February is mm-hmm. our next uh, is our next new hire. Yeah. And so then as we find and buy these trucks and put them on, which is our goal is to have at least five more next year. We're a little ahead of goal this year, so we might actually be more than that, or it might be quicker than than we thought. But um, anyway, get lined up. We You know, we uh, it's a process. We want to make sure that you're the right fit for us and we're the right fit for you. And uh, and uh, so that does take a little time. We build a little relationship and a little rapport in the process. Um, but... Um, Anyway, we'll be glad to help
0: you. And I'm going to throw this out there for this. Uh, this episode is being recorded in November of 2019. So if you're listening to this and it's like 2025, this probably won't apply. But we uh, we are looking for a truck right now, a 2005 to 2007 Freightliner that needs a motor because we have a motor. We have a really good motor, but we need a truck with a blown up engine. So if you see that, that, that otherwise
1: around. is in good shape.
0: Yeah, it's otherwise in good shape, uh, but just has a bad motor. We, we have a motor that uh, that we could put in a truck. So, uh, you know, shoot me an email uh, if you if you see that truck or have that truck, because we could use one because uh, we got a great motor. We just need a truck to put it in. Uh, I found the hotline number, 413-248-7825, 413-24-TRUCK. You can leave a voicemail there. Ask your okay. questions. Go ahead. I've
1: got one last point, and okay. I don't even know if this may be news to you. But, you know, I've thought about our audience here and and how relatively few people that we can actually bring on as driver, as, as driver, employee drivers for us. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, well, over the holidays, I'm going to give this a lot more thought. But I'm thinking that we might have go ahead and launch our mentoring uh, and coaching Uh, program so that we can do what we do for the people that work for us, Mm -hmm. but in their present situation. So, you know, so we can, if you're a company driver for somebody else, we can't really affect your income that much, but we can give you this education we're talking about. Right. We can maybe coach you into getting into a, into a a better job. You know, we might be able to use some connections and help you find a better company job. But at the very minimum, if you're somewhat happy with where you are, but you just want to learn how to, how to do all this, Um, I think we're going to take on a certain number of clientele uh, as a as a as a as a consultant or a mentoring or a teaching coaching group uh, where we would have, you know, a regular, um, you know, contact with you and give you some direct uh, phone number, you know, access and and start working with with other people besides just the guys that are working for us. So, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea out there. So because I think we could help a lot more people that way. Uh, because we're limited to how many people that can actually work for us, you know? Yeah. Uh, obviously if that were the case, those people would then be at the top of the list as, as we continue to grow and as trucks come open, you know? Yeah. So, so we're, we're going to kick that around, but, but we're, we'll welcome your feedback about that too. If that's something that you guys have an interest in, let us know if we can get, you know, if we can get 10 or 20 people lined up right away to want to do it, we might launch it quicker than, than. You know, that I thought we're kind of using the, the March, uh, Louisville truck show as a kickoff for a lot of our new stuff this year. So, but like I say, if we get enough people that want to do this, I'm probably okay with trying to do it sooner than
0: later. So, especially yeah. since I'm
1: not driving now. So
0: yeah. All right. Well, that's all we got for this episode. Everybody be safe, be happy. and We'll talk to you next time.